a podcast by Cipra. Il podcast della Cipra. Le podcast della Cipra. Der Cipra podcast. Ciprim podcast. Interviews, background talks and voices from all alpine countries. Listen to this and more in the podcast of the International Commission for the Protection of the Alps. www.cipra.org/podcast. Welcome to another edition of our Zebra podcast. My name is Paul Froning. For 20 years now, the long-distance hiking trail Via Alpina connects all Alpine countries from Trieste to Monaco. On five different routes, it connects people, living spaces and natural areas, not only physically, but also symbolically. We want to take a look back on the history and the development of the project. A person who knows the Via Alpina from the very beginning is Nathalie Morel. She was the international coordinator of the project from its beginning in 1999 until 2016. Today she works as a project officer at the permanent secretariat of the Alpine Convention in Innsbruck, Austria. I talked to her about the development of Via Alpina and how it all began. At the beginning it was really an idea coming from France, from uh, Mr. Noël Lebel, who was uh, part of the uh, French delegation of the Alpine Convention and who was uh, thinking in the late 90s that um, almost 10 years after the signature of the Alpine Convention, it needed to be concrete. And the Via Alpina was one of the uh, first uh, implementation projects of the uh, Alpine Convention. And the idea was uh, based on the, uh, the uh, experience that the, the French organization one of the French organizations he was working with, the Grand Traverse des Alpes, had in uh, developing uh, sustainable hiking tourism, also cross-border from on the French-Italian, French-Swiss border. Uh, the idea was let's have something like that, but at the whole Alpine area and some, some hiking trail, which really uh, is the symbol and the, the concrete uh, entry the portal to the, to, the, to the hiking trails of the Alps. And uh, so that was the idea. And obviously, uh, since there were and there are many trails in the Alps, the, it was not the point of creating new tracks, but of uh, linking together uh, interesting parts of the national trails in, in every country. And uh, it was a process, a, a long process, but after a year, so in June, to, uh, to, uh, June 2000, so 20 years ago, um, we had the consensus of international partners to go on with these projects and we had the name, the Alpina, which was cho chosen because it's uh, referring to the common Latin heritage of uh, the Alps and understandable in all languages. And then it was two more years until the trail was officially launched with uh, defined uh, stages and uh, descriptions of the routes and uh, sign posting on the, on the field. And would you say then, uh, when you think of the first great achievement, what would you say was the first great uh, achievement of the project? Yeah, the first great achievement was to get around the table uh, the competent uh, people and organizations from the eight countries. That was the first one. And then the second, I would say, was when we had the trail that we could really say the Alpina exists. It's a, a physical reality. 
and uh, and then another um, for me personally very rewarding uh, uh, result uh, it's not not just one but a series of uh, of uh, thank you messages from hikers who hiked on it and who said that it was they were so grateful that we made it easier for them to travel across the borders and that it was so enriching and rewarding and what would you say were the um, the prerequisites of the for the success of the VIP now? The the prerequisites were to have the competent people working together, and this is more complex than it seems because hiking tourism, uh, especially walking from one place to the other, uh, requests a lot of different partners. It needs um, the, uh, the the public authorities. So the municipalities, but also at the, the, the larger levels, the provinces and regions and states, which have different competences uh, in the tourism development, depending on the countries. Then uh, we needed uh, the experts in hiking, which are the alpine clubs and, and, and mountain associations and hiking associations. And then we also need the tourism professionals. So that's from the uh, the people really uh, who are going to host the uh, the hikers, so the mountain hut keepers and the hotel managers, and uh, also up to the tourism promotion organizations. And uh, we started from a situation where in France there was uh, this association Grand Traversée des Alpes, which existed for 40 years, and which uh, was already an association of the three types of um, partners. So this was the, uh, the the cradle for the Vialpina. And my task at the time was to identify similar partners in the different countries. And this type of uh, cross-sectoral um, organization didn't exist. So in every country, we had to approach the administrations, the uh, mountain associations and the tourism organization and get them to work uh, with us on this project. And this was... Uh, big uh, work and uh, it was successful and uh, basically what was um, the decisive factor was to have a critical mass so we approached the different countries and some were enthusiastic some were a bit more cautious or some said it's a great idea but it will never work and then when we could say okay we have five countries which are going on and doing it so then it was born the idea was going to, to to start and to live. Mm -hmm. Okay, you already mentioned also some challenges that occurred within the development of this project of VIPNA. What are general difficulties of the project? I mean, you mentioned that it's hard to get the uh, different stakeholders to the network, but also maybe today do you see difficulties, challenges? It's always a challenge, obviously, and uh, with a with a dimension like that. Um, I mean, one challenge is to to keep the interest everywhere, and we have very different situations. We have regions which are very well developed touristically, and which really don't need the Vialpina to to have their tourism businesses running. Then we have um, on the other end of the spectrum, we have remote valleys where there is nothing or maybe there is one hut, and if ever this hut closes, there is no more uh, contact possible. And in between, we have, have like the main target of the Vialpina, which are regions which are away from the main tourism um, fluxes, but which have a minimum of 
self-organization already, so there is a minimum infrastructure for public transport, for accommodation, uh, maybe a, a little shop or something, so we can we can work with them. And they really rely on projects like the Vialpina to make these areas known. So the challenge is to maintain enough attention from these uh, these type of uh, of areas that we can have a continuity all all across the Alps. And um, another challenge was um, that for the first about 10 years of the life of Vialpina, we managed to attract uh, European funds. And it was also an achievement because it was at the, if you think 20 years back, it was the beginning of the cross-border programs, especially the ones going over the whole Alps. There was already a tradition of of cross-border, French, Italian, Austrian, Italian, uh, Swiss, German uh, interreg projects but, and programs, but it was still in the beginning and it was the first, the, w- one of the first projects to apply for the transnational um, cross um, transnational uh, cooperation funds. And uh, so for 10 years we had that. And then uh, because these funds are meant to kickstart projects, then it, it ended and it was because it takes time for, for a tourism offer to be known, it was only at that time that the Vialpina was starting to be known amongst hikers and especially amongst long distance hikers after 10 years or even a bit less, it was getting known and there were people hiking it and writing um, their reports and it was the start of the blogs and so on. But it was too early for uh, the authorities to see any economic um, results. And this, I think, was also maybe a, a wrong expectation from the beginning that a, a project like the Vialpina would bring uh, tangible uh, financial results because it does it does contribute to the tourism um, business and it can contribute in a large part, but it's very, very difficult to measure. And uh, when you think then of funding, uh, there is always a tendency to say, okay, the project should be self-sufficient. And so the tourism business, which benefit from it, should pay something. And if you ask um, a hotel manager, he cannot say how many people came for the Vialpina because people came maybe partly because they heard of the area about the, uh, through the Vialpina, but partly through something else. And maybe they walked for two days on Vialpina, then they walked for two days somewhere else. And um, the people who really walked the Vialpina from from uh, start to end, or even for a whole week, are s- still a minority. And, they, and it, they will always be a minority. So they are not the big um, economical um, impact. So it's more this dream factor was mentioning at the beginning that it's it's a project which is benefiting to the whole Alps in terms of uh, uh, making people want to come to the Alps and discover new 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 places. But you cannot really uh, count it so precisely. Okay, maybe maybe one more aspect um, before coming a bit to a future perspective. Uh, how would you say has the Vialpina changed over the past 20 years? I think it has not changed that much. And that's maybe what uh, what is missing. I mean, in a way, it's good because the trail is still there and it's, it's here to stay. But um, this second step has happened for some 
parts of the trails from some periods of time, but it's not so um, all-encompassing yet. Um, what do you what do you mean by sec the second step? Uh, the, the step of not being just a hiking trail to hike, but also a showcase of uh, sustainable development in the Alps. I mean, okay. the idea would would be to to use the Vialpina to link different uh, projects in farming or in uh, studying um, the species, the biodiversity of an area, or in um, having festivals along the trail, things like that. And um, there is no end to the uh, initiatives you could uh, build up on the Via Alpina. Also, it's not just the trail, but it's it's uh, having uh, along the trail involving the, the valleys and the uh, municipalities all around, even if they are not directly on the trail, but that they are they are like um, the beads in a in a in a necklace, and, uh, and they all are linked with each other through the Via Alpina and could start having uh, projects between different municipalities, etc. So there's there are lots of possibilities which were um, in the mind of the initiators and uh, only a fraction has been developed. Maybe a look into the into the future perspective. Look, like what are your wishes for the Via Alpina? for the next 20 years? My wish is uh, that uh, many more people work on it and report on their on their trips. And also that the uh, the people who live along the uh, the trail um, participate uh, in the in the um, development of, of the trail that they they um, link up with their partners in different areas and uh, in different regions and that they own the trail more, that they really feel it is their trail and uh, it's uh, something which links them with the neighbors in Slovenia and in France and, uh, and that uh, they all can benefit a lot from exchanging and from communicating together with, uh, with the colleagues and the, uh, the people in the different uh, Alpine areas. So I hope that there will still be a dynamic international secretariat, um, say CIPRA International. I hope that CIPRA will continue taking good care of the Via Alpina, and I hope that they will have lots of partners in different in the different uh, countries to rely on for that. Thank you very much, Nathalie. Well, thank you very much, and good luck to CIPRA with the Via Alpina. The long-distance hiking trail Via Alpina celebrates 20 years. We took a look back on the development of the project. My name is Paul Froning. Thank you for listening. A podcast by Cipra. Il podcast della Cipra. Le podcast della Cipra. Der Cipra podcast. Ciprim podcast. Interviews, background talks and voices from all Alpine countries. Listen to this and more in the podcast of the International Commission for the Protection of the Alps. www.cipra.org forward slash podcast.